Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does it smell good. Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas's ultimate sports fan destination. All right, Wolf is gone. Tim Ring is in, and it is time for uh, Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Aaron Maloney is here, Aaron. Hello, guys. Hey. Thanks for coming in, Tim. No problem. Appreciate it. Out of the bullpen. I need my own bullpen music. What would you like? Oh, that's a good question. I should have thought of that before I opened my big well, mouth. You, you get it ready for next segment. <laughs> I will. You've got 10 minutes to think. I'm on the case. Okay. <laughs> so the Arizona Cardinals are gearing up to take on the Patriots tonight on Monday Night Football at State Farm Stadium. We did get a roof advisory. It's going to be closed. It was originally going to be open, but with the weather, it's going to be closed tonight. So what's the hardest part about coaching against Bill Belichick? Here's Cliff Kingsbury. The unexpected, you know, I think more than anything, it's, um, you know, he's going to have his ways to try to take away your best players and find mismatches and, and uh, then all the different personnel groups that he brings in and um, trying to locate who you're pointing at, at to target and run game and pass game, all those things. It's it's a constant um, you know chess match and he's usually one step ahead of everybody. What do you guys want to see tonight from the game? Uh, I, the biggest thing for me is, is Kyler Murray and he's facing a legitimate defense tonight. Uh, not that I really care what defense. If he wants to play well, I'll, I'll take it against whoever. Who's the worst defense in the NFL this year? You're going to say Chicago, aren't you? Uh, I would probably be Chicago, yeah. <laughs> okay. Especially now that they traded away all their good players. But I'm not bitter. No, Go ahead. no not Continue at all. Continue on, Luke. I just I yeah. think the, the key is is how I want to see how they respond because it's been over two weeks and that was a gut-wrenching way to lose to the Chargers, even though it feels like that was a year ago. It was, it was quote, only two weeks. So I just I want to see how they respond because I think we're going to get a pretty good feel for what version of this team we're going to see for the final month in the first half tonight. Well, as good as Belichick has been, and obviously he's the architect of perhaps the greatest dynasty of all time, maybe Lombardi's Packers have something to say about that, but usually the Cardinals and Patriots don't play a whole lot, but when they do, it tends to come down to a field goal either way. Uh, Also having said that, the Cardinals have beaten the Patriots once in the last 31 years. You know, Aaron brought that segment in. Thanks for the stat. Yeah. Aaron t- Aaron brought that segment in talking about Cliff Kingsbury going up against Bill Belichick. The thing about Belichick is what makes him so difficult, among other things, is he'll always take away or try to take away what you do best. And clearly what the Cardinals do best on offense is getting the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. And that was what the Texans did best all those years. And Belichick always took that away. Hopkins, in fact, talk about, talked about it this week. He's like, man, they, they always... They always kind of lock me down. Hopkins is 1-7 against Belichick. So I would assume they're going to try to do that again tonight. Now, you got Hollywood Brown out there who always seems to shine on Monday Night Football. So hopefully the combination of Brown and Hopkins will be a little too much uh, for a very mediocre Patriot offense to try and outscore tonight. The Athletics' Sham Sharania is reporting that the Suns recently were in talks for a three-team trade involving forward Jay Crowder. Crowder would have been sent to Milwaukee. Four bucks second-round draft picks in addition to players would have been sent to Houston. And Eric Gordon and or Kenyon Martin Jr. would have been sent to Phoenix. The trade fell through because Houston wanted a first-rounder for Gordon and a very good first-rounder for Martin. 
What do you guys think about that? Uh, I mean, I, maybe it's just because they've been linked to Eric Gordon for what seems like 15 years. I'm not as excited about him. Kenyon Martin Jr. And that's not to say Gordon couldn't help this team. Kenyon Martin Jr. is at least intriguing. But honestly, Tim, the biggest thing is how many times have we heard the Suns almost made a trade or, oh, they were linked to a trade pretty much this entire, it felt like the entire offseason, whether that was true or not. And now this entire regular season so far. And I just think the simple fact of once they are able to make a deal and kind of be like, okay, this is our team going forward. I think that will help them almost as much as whoever they get. Both those players would help them. And I know it's been an an ongoing saga with Eric Gordon going back multiple front offices, mind you, with with Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon's always almost here. You know, and then Gamble will come in in the afternoon and say, no interest in Eric Gordon. They'll play Blue Oyster Call and they'll say no Eric Gordon. But this, this is Shams reporting this now. The Suns clearly need help, Aaron, and if this is the type of trade that the type of guys you're going to get for Jay Crowder, I I would be all for it. Those two guys can help you in a variety well, of different ways. Well, they can help ways. you more than Jay Crowder's helping you right now. Well, that's the other True. thing. Literally this, anybody if they, help you and more. If, and if anything, this last week of basketball has taught us and told us the Suns need help. They're not, there, they're not as good as we thought they were about 10 days ago. And we let them off the head. And I'll, I don't know how you guys feel. Is, at, at this, when you're in a championship window, I all got, in. I, well, all in. I, I got to go less sneed on the whole picks here. Yeah, I don't care about the picks. I don't care about the picks. No. Unless they're saving them for Kevin Durant. Fine. After January 16th, I don't care about here the picks. Here we go. How's that? Save them all for Durant. <laughs> The Phoenix Suns have lost four in a row as they fell to the Pelicans yesterday in OT, 129-124. to So our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, what is your biggest concern about the Suns right now? Your choices, the current losing streak, the injuries, Chris Paul's play, or the need for a trade? Uh, it's not the losing streak for me, and it's it's not the injuries. I mean, I think that's part of the, the struggles right now. But, I mean, you, you would hope that the injuries will be remedied by the time the playoffs roll around. I, I'll say the need for a trade because I think coming out of the, especially those two New Orleans games, okay, add Devin Booker and Cam Johnson, but add Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones to that team. That's what you, you can't you can't do that, right. You can't just say that. Yep. Seven-game series against New Orleans, I don't feel great about the Suns right now. I, I'll feel better. I believe in in March and April, but I I think they they clearly have to add something. I don't worry about the four game losing streak. The Suns are the Suns are in a ditch. They 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 they've hit it they've hit a they've hit a downturn a little bit, but some of that is because of the injuries, not pertaining to the Pelicans matchup per se. But the Suns have hit a bit of a wall. Booker's hit a bit of a wall. And he's tweaked that hamstring now. Chris Paul is back, but he's not really back to playing at a high level yet, despite putting some points on the board uh, the other night uh, in in New Orleans. So, Luke, I actually agree with you on that. I think the biggest, no, because I I think the biggest concern right now is re-fortifying or fortifying the roster here for the back half of the season. Who's it going to be, and when is he going to be here, and how is this team going to look? And eventually, Booker's going to be back healthy. Cam Johnson's going to be back. He's going to be, hopefully, shooting the ball well and at full strength by the time the playoffs roll around, and hopefully, Chris Paul is as good as he can be. But a bigger concern for me is until we know who's coming in to help this team, I'm a little concerned right now that they're certainly not as good as the Celtics. And I'm starting to wonder, are they as good as the Pelicans? Because right now, the Pelicans are definitely playing better. I'm not ready to say that they are better. 
but I'm getting a little worried about that matchup if it comes to fruition again in May in the postseason. So 63% say Chris Paul's play, 18% say the need for a trade, 10% say the current losing streak, and then 9% say injuries. All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, as always, Aaron. Tim Ring is here. We'll get into uh, some Cardinals when we come back. It's been over two weeks since the last time they actually played a football game. So what version of this team should we expect to see at State Farm Stadium tonight? It's Wolf and Luke. Tim Ring in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Love you, bro. Love you. Big Red Monday and Wolf of the Loop on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. All right, Tim Ring is in for Wolf. You might be asking yourself, what happened to Wolf? He was just there. Wolf's driving to the stadium right he's now. He's got to get there, baby. Yeah, he can't just transport over there. He's got to drive. The limo rolls up here at... <laughs> Imagine Wolf in the limo. 1210. <laughs> he hops in, full, no. bar, full bar in the back. It's, it's a pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so Tim Ring is in, and of course, Tim will have Cardinals coverage before and after the game tonight. So, Tim, I'm just going to start right here. The last time we saw the Cardinals play football, they actually played one of their better games of the season for three quarters. The defense played you know, pretty well through most of the fourth quarter, but Justin Herbert marched them down the field, the Chargers down the field at the end. They scored, they went for two, and they just snuck right in there in front of Isaiah Simmons, who had a really good game up to that point, but, uh, but he's the one that kind of got caught in that two-point conversion. So the Cardinals left the field. Their most heartbreaking loss of the season and any thought you really had of them still having a chance to make the playoffs was out the window at that point. And now we haven't seen them in two weeks. So what exactly do you expect from this team? You don't typically come out of the bye week knowing you're out of it. You know, something's been sticking in my craw. I talked to Vince a little bit about this last week. I'm going to I'm gonna reiterate right, because it's still sticking in my craw. Oh. Now, there's no guarantee that they're going to win this football game tonight, and I get that, and I, and I hope I don't sound like a homer when I say that or too much of a glass-half-full guy. They were one first down away, right, from winning that football game. Yeah, against the Chargers. Against yeah. the Chargers, yeah. right? If they just could have done that, they would be a win away tonight against a six and six football team. Fact, right? Patriots are six and mm-hmm. six, okay? Yeah. From winning this football game tonight, from looking at a hapless Denver Bronco team for a chance to get to seven and seven on the season. Yeah. And then following that up with two other hapless teams, the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, I mean, I see where you're going. I mean, it's it, as bad as they have played, and as difficult as this season has been. The margin for the fork in the road in this league at times can be so razor thin that that even though when they lost to the Chargers, it was just oh ho hum, their eighth loss, typical Cardinals, just another loss in a terrible season. If they could have just gotten a first down. They could have been looking at a pretty big game tonight, looking at the schedule ahead. Like, my God, we well, got the Broncos to get to 7-7. Seven and seven, And then we got the Bucks and the Falcons to get to 9-7? and seven. I'll, I'll do you one better Are than that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, even I don't know that you're going to need to win 10 games, as everybody thought. I mean, nine games to make the playoffs in the NFC. It, you're, you're basically getting to a similar place I was with Wolf, and I wasn't even looking so much at the Chargers game. I just looked at those two Seahawks games, and Seattle's starting to look like who yeah, everybody kind of suspected they were. If you just win one of those games, you're back in the race. Now, you're at the bottom of this group, but... 
But you're in a group of, at that point, basically five teams fighting for two playoff spots. Right. You're at the bottom of it. But, Tim, the other teams are the Lions, the Seahawks, the Commanders, and the Giants. Well, the, it's you, not like there's a powerhouse I in know. There. And I, I'm not disagreeing with you, so don't take it that way. Well, but I'm you agreeing can, with you, you, so you No, can't. I know. But you can always go back, like, the whole, oh, we just, but, like, this is, like, real. This is, like, the freaking Chargers game. Their last game, just get a first down and finish the job. Well, and you'll be looking at something yeah. here in December. At least meet, how about this? And I don't know what's going to happen tonight. They may, they may have getting their, their tail kicked tonight, and then we'd be right back at, at 5 and 8. But there would be meaningful football in December instead of this playing for pride nonsense that we have to sit here and pitch on the radio uh, each and every game. The Seattle game in Seattle. How about sign the right kicker? So, so you don't go for it on fourth down. I'm, I'm still not over that first loss to Seattle. I mean, honestly, it, who's that? that was, it was two months ago. I'm not over it. You, you, you don't sign the right kicker, so your coaching staff has no confidence in the guy you have on the field. You I mean, up, that, these you are gave the kind up 19 of, points to Seattle and, and couldn't win the game. I mean, <laughs> I understand that that was October 16th. That was literally two months ago. But yeah, there's you, you can sit here and go through a bunch of. They could have beat Philadelphia. If they could have made a kick at the end. Philadelphia, who looks unstoppable, they lost to Philadelphia by three points. Rodrigo Blankenship could have put this team in playoff position in December. <laughs> There's a sentence I never thought I'd hear. You know what, though? Here's, here it is, though, Tim. You just said right there, you're playing for pride tonight. This is the first game in two seasons, two and a half seasons, that has meant nothing to the playoff race. And that's uh, this is where I think you and I are, are sort of hitting the same thing. Yeah. You should at least still be in this. Even if you weren't going to make the playoffs, look at the teams that are going to make the playoffs at the bottom of the NFC. Okay, let's just go through the NFC real quick. Philadelphia's great. Minnesota, I don't believe in them, but they are 10-3. and three. They're obviously a playoff team. San Francisco's legit. We'll see how hurt Debo is. And Dallas is legit at 10-3. and three. Tampa's going to get in because it always works out for Brady, and he's in a division with high school teams. So now you've got the Commanders, Giants, Seahawks, and Lions. Two of those four teams are going to get in. Those those are not great football teams. You should at least still be in contention with them coming out of the bye week. Every Cardinals game last year was meaningful because they lost in the playoffs. Every game the year before was meaningful because they didn't get eliminated until the final game of the season. You're coming out of the bye week and you're out of it with those teams making it? Disappointing with a capital D. I mean, by the way, real quick, did you see, uh, I believe it was... America's Game of the Week on Fox, the Buccaneers and 49ers, they did a playoff graphic, and the Cardinals were in the hunt. Nice! They, they, they <laughs> made, I'm like, hey, look, we're in the hunt! Everybody, <laughs> kids, get out here! Get off your Xbox, we're in the hunt! That's, um, <laughs> that's, come gather around. We're gather around, hunt. everybody! You have to have the, like, 85-inch screen for that, though, because if you just have a regular TV, right. the Cardinals part got cut off. I believe they're going to hang a banner. Later in the season, hunt. State. 2022 yeah, in the yeah, hunt. Cardinals in the hunt 2022. Yeah, I did not see that. I, I um when whenever the uh, the NFL world decides that I need to watch Tom Brady in a meaningful game that's not a playoff game, I just immediately go over to red zone. Sure. Or in the case of the Suns yesterday, the Suns. And again, people don't want to hear about injuries. And you, we were talking about how close they were. You, you, you again, you go back and despite all the the mistakes and you know faults of the coaching staff which which fans harp on and they're 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 accurate at times sometimes maybe they're not and and cliff i don't think anybody's going to sit here and say cliff has done a great job this year or the front office has done a great job i don't know how how would steve kime and cliff kingsbury self scout themselves this year i think they're going to point to injuries when they have their post-mortem season meeting with mike bidwell but my god if you you wonder luke if 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 pew and hudson and 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 humphreys and all these guys are out there and Moore and Hopkins and Brown. You're talking about all these other 
crap teams in the playoffs. I, I have to. I would have to believe there'd be a couple more wins on that Cardinal record right now, yeah. and, they, and they would be in the hunt. It's no. just there's, there's just. It's been difficult. It's been difficult across <laughs> yes. the board and a, yeah, and a lot difficult. of layers. That's a good way to put it. No, look, yeah. the injuries are a real thing, and that's where this gets difficult is because if you told me the Cardinals were relatively healthy, I know other teams have injuries and they've been able to overcome them, and some of them haven't. And then you see teams that haven't had very many injuries. If the Cardinals are just relatively healthy, do they ha- probably have another win or two? Yeah, they probably have two more wins, realist. Or if Hopkins isn't suspended for the first six weeks. But the thing is... They would have one or two more wins. This would be a meaningful game tonight, but there are still issues, and that's where it's hard to kind of sift through all of this. Yes, the Cardinals have issues with how they have drafted in recent years. They have issues with how they have adjusted to other teams adjusting to them. Kyler Murray has not taken a step forward. If anything, he's taken a step backward. I think he's just kind of been even all season. But as you stay even, guys like Jalen Hurts are running right past you. The injuries are a part of this, too, but, man, they have not given themselves the best chances to win these games. Penalties, operational issues, uh, getting the getting the play call in time, the collapse of 2021 down the stretch, the playoff performance of 2021 cannot be overlooked, the inability to beat Beathard and Walford with a playoff spot on the line can't be overlooked when you talk about the entire football organization, right? You can't talk, you can't forget about how long it took to clinch last year. Remember that, Luke? It was yeah. like, you got to be kidding me. Let's finish the you're deal. You're 10 and 2. When are you going to put this away? How about, Luke, how about a chance to win the division at home against a pretty bad Seahawks team last year and you can't muster up whatever it took to win that football game? I'm just looking I at I mean, there's, it's, it goes beyond the injuries. I, I want to make that very, very clear. But the injuries are a part of it, but it does. It 100% obviously goes beyond the injuries. That's the, why we rarely talk about the injuries. This is a book. We were writing a book of the Cardinals the last three years. Injuries of 2022 are a chapter in the book. There's no question about it. They would probably still be in the race, but it's tough to have confidence that they would make the playoffs anyway. Although I will say this, eight losses this season, and I'm looking at it, Tim, just to kind of refresh. I mean, Kansas City, they had no chance in that game. And the San Francisco game in Mexico City, as it turns out, they they got run right off the field. Every other game has been a one-score loss except the 10-point loss to Seattle, which, again, if they had a kicker, they could have won that game. Um, And that's... They're in some ways the opposite of the Minnesota Vikings. You get in a close game and they're finding a way to lose it. Minnesota's finding a way to win it. And they're a, they've been a coin flip team all. Oh, no, the most pessimistic Cardinal, pessimistic Cardinal fan, Luke, before we hit the break, would be like, if they didn't pull that Raider game out of their butt, they'd be three and nine. <laughs> That's true. And there's a lot of those fans. Trust me, they're out there. Uh, all right, text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, the Suns are in the midst of their longest losing streak since March of 2020. How big of a deal is this? We'll get into it next. It's Wolf and Luke. Tim Ring in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mad that ASU isn't ranked at nine and one. Um, running back through the schedule in Michigan, you got just Michigan, I guess. Uh, all right. Well, be Creighton, you'll probably get ranked. Okay, Creighton's a good team. Yeah, Creighton's always a good team. Uh, okay, over to basketball. Tim Tim Ring is in for Wolf here as Wolf heads over to State Farm Stadium for tonight's Monday night showdown between the Cardinals and Patriots. 
this is um, this is kind of uncharted territory for the Suns since Chris Paul, Monty Williams, everything got going. Ever since since the bubble, let's say, all right, the, their last four game losing streak in the regular season was back in March of 2020. Kellen Olson put this out on on our on ArizonaSports.com uh, last night. The last time the Suns lost this many games in a row was like right before that that season just stopped for months and months with everything that happened. Um, they barely lose two in a row. That's the thing, and they and it's intentional that they bear like they will reference that. We've heard Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton in the last week be like, "Yeah, we're not losing two. Okay, well now we've lost two. In fact, since the start of the twenty twenty season, Luke best record in the NBA following a loss. Yeah, I believe it. What about following four losses? Yeah, is it uh, any better there? Um, Wolf and I were talking about this earlier with John Bloom, and to me, and I want to hear where you come out on this. If you told me the Suns lost four games in the middle of December, I wouldn't really care. <laughs> like if you said, okay, say they lost to a couple Eastern Conference teams, yeah, throw Boston in there, that's fine. But just throw in some random teams. I don't think it would bother me that much. I would immediately think, okay, they got injuries. They're kind of they're handling this regular season differently. You're going to lose some games. Like you said, it's not normal for them to do it, but it would be a small blip on the radar. But the fact that they look like Dallas has figured them out again for one of those games, the fact that they were down 45 in one of those games, yeah. and then the, maybe the biggest thing to me because I, I think New Orleans I've thought this all season is a is a contender to come out of the West. The fact that they they played New Orleans close yesterday, but they I don't know about them right now in a seven game series against the Pelicans. That has my radar buzzing more than just random four games. Yeah, probably too early to worry about that, honestly, Luke, because you just don't know who's gonna be on the Suns roster by then. And we 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 want to assume that Chris Paul is going to be playing at a higher level. Cam Johnson will be back. Devin Booker will be back. And I know Brandon Ingram was out and that, so you can't just say, well, we didn't have our guys. They didn't have two of their key well, that guys. That raises a second question I'll get to in a second. I think, ahead. but I, I, I think I just almost to piggyback off what you were saying, the four game losing streak doesn't bother you. I mean, the Warriors were losing game after game after game yeah. in March last, last year. It's who they were losing to and the way they were losing that gives you a pause for concern. Because just about, oh, eight days ago, I think the sentiment in Phoenix was Suns are the best team in the Western Conference. Suns are a bona fide NBA title contender. After what we've seen over the last week, can you really look in the mirror and say they're the best in the Western Conference right now? I mean, New Orleans Orleans is playing better. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're a better team Hands down right now, I, I will not go there yet. But I think they've closed the gap. They've definitely closed the back, back. They've definitely closed the gap. And I'll tell you this, game of basketball is a lot of confidence, man. And that team has a lot of confidence against the Suns. They do not fear the Suns. They do not care about that Suns name across that jersey. And they want to play the Suns. They think they're better than the Suns. And the game of basketball, that goes a long way. That They can't wait to play the Suns. They plan on beating the Suns every time they play them. And they think they're better than the Suns. They and, do. And that is a dangerous, I dangerous gar- team to face. Guarantee you New Orleans. And they're good. So, yeah, well, yeah. I, uh, talent-wise, they're I, it's clearly a top-four team in the NBA. Clearly. So, um, I, But you're right. They, they, You know in New Orleans, they think, you know, if we had Zion last year, we would have won that playoff series. You know that's their approach to the season. And... What you said in there kind of raises the second question, because this is where I've come out of these last four days. We're hearing like, okay, trade rumors, maybe the Suns will pull off this deal and get Kenyon Martin Jr. 
is that enough at this point? That that to me is what the last four games have shown me. And again, maybe set Dallas aside. Dallas is just weird. I don't think Dallas is that good of a team, but they they seem to mess up the Suns. But Boston and New Orleans are two legitimate title contenders, and I believe the Suns still are too. But I think a lot of us believe they're going to make a move. They're going to trade Jay for something. Maybe they'll add one more piece before the deadline. But they're going to be peripheral pieces like a Kenyon Martin Jr., is that enough after what you've seen? Do they need somebody else that can score if Devin Booker gets hurt in a game or just doesn't have a good shooting night? No, but remember, Jake Crowder is not the only piece that could be dealt. That's in what I'm saying. They deal. got picks. They got picks and they got other players, too. Yeah. So it's not just who can we get for Jake Crowder and that's going to be the only guy we can bring in. I mean, you can look super pie in the sky and think that Kevin Durant may be coming, and then you go all the way down the line and say, okay, what do we give up pick-wise? What do we give up on our bench? Guys like Dario Saric and Jake Crowder, obviously. Having said that, what do they need? A guy like Kenya Martin Jr.? I don't know. Is he going to help in the regular season? Sure. Which could help you get a better seed. To me, Luke, I look at what this Suns team needs. The inconsistencies of that of that second consistent score. Now, I'm not saying they're going to have to go out and get that guy who's going to be the number two scorer each and every night. But there's too many games where Bridges and Aiton, and even Chris Paul at this current state he's in right now, are, are just not guaranteed to be that guy that goes out and gets you 25 against a good team every time you play them. To me, they need a professional score. You know, and there was talk about Boyan Bogdanovich back in the summertime. The problem was uh, the, 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 the Suns did not have anything that Jazz wanted, so they couldn't pull that deal off. He ends up going to Detroit. But Boyan Bogdanovich, to me, is the kind of guy that they need. He's a professional scorer. He's the kind of guy that in a game six on the road in the Western Conference semifinals can go out and get you 28 points. I mean, and, have you and, seen and, what he's doing this year? I and know, guy, it's and guys like Kenyon Martin Jr. can't do that. Well, and that's sort of where I was going with this. Is it's weird to think of a team that won sixty four games last year and really has only lost Jay Crowder in terms of this this specific conversation, needing to go out and get their number two scorer, but. Again, look at New Orleans. New Orleans has Zion and Brandon Ingram, in addition to other pieces. But in terms of scores, they've got those two guys. Boston, okay, well, they've got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, in addition to other pieces. Yeah. The Suns have Devin Booker and then kind of a rotating cast and other pieces. This whole conversation, again, is through the lens of can this team win a title this year? And it's like you said when you first got in here today, you should be going all in because... Some Suns fans don't believe that the championship window is even still open, but I don't think anybody's going to think it's as open next year as it is right now. I still think it's open right now. You get to next year, who knows how much longer Chris Paul is going to play. You don't really have like the clear replacement for him lined up. You're missing pieces right now. This is your window, not next year. Chris Paul needs to play at a level that he played at in the regular season and a level that he played at in the New Orleans series and a level he played at in the first two games of the Mavericks series. Heck, even throw in Game 5 when they blew the doors off the Mavericks. But what Chris Paul did in Game 6 and 7, and maybe there was an illness there, there probably was, and then Chris Paul coming back, and then the heel surgery, or sorry, not surgery, injury, um, he just hasn't been himself. No. He's working himself back into shape. And maybe he is, but would, be, wouldn't it be nice to just have another scorer there anyway? Well, that's what I mean. They, they got to see, and they... The Suns right now are really not the same 64 win team because Chris Paul's not the Chris Paul that we saw during the regular season. Cam Johnson isn't there. JaVale McGee isn't there. So there, there, there are some differences here with this Suns team compared to let Jay Crowder's not out there. 
So Cam Johnson's not even coming off the bench. He's not the star lineup. He's not out there at all. Crowder's not out there. So Javel McGee was big last year. He was. Luke. He was. He was big. So th- this is not the same team they, th- th- right now. Now, come playoff time, we're, g- we're going to see a refortified Suns roster. How much refortified? That's that remains to be seen. The good news is James Jones has seen all the stuff we're seeing. Well, that's when you brought up, and he's I, a smart guy. I want to throw this out there on Bogdanovich <laughs> real quick because it's not like Detroit is like clinging to him. Oh, we got to have Bogdanovich. Last night against the Lakers, thirty-eight points and uh, six threes. He's had three thirty-point games this month. That's somebody you can get. That's not a hey, can we get Kevin Durant? Well, there's so much you don't control about whether or not you get Kevin Durant. But I, I do, I 100 percent. Whether it's Bogdanovich or somebody else, you need a guy that can just drop 30 one night. Professional score. Yep. yep. That's that. That's my guy. The 2022 college football playoff semifinal is coming to State Farm Stadium December 31st, featuring number two Michigan and number three TCU as they square off for the first time ever in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. Head to the contest page now on ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win a pair of tickets. Coming up next, Patriots Nation isn't as optimistic about their team as you probably think they are heading into tonight's game. We'll get the New England perspective from ESPN's Mike Reese next. It's Wolf and Luke, Tim Ring in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Alright, we're closing in on Cardinals coverage at the bottom of the next hour here. A little bit of a shorter show today, but we wanted to get you this uh, interview that we did with ESPN's Mike Reese, just to get you the Patriots perspective on things and just kind of how that team maybe isn't exactly what you are used to the Patriots being, even over the last two years without Brady. Uh, here we go with uh, with Mike Reese of ESPN. This Patriots team, at least on first glance, seems like a team that wins a lot of games with defense and just kind of gets by with offense outside of Ramondre Stevenson. How, how close is that to the truth or is there more to it than that well I, I think that's very fair I'm staring down at a sheet of paper in front of me right now with some notes on the offense I'll just give you a couple uh, tied for last in the NFL red zone efficiency offensively 25th in the NFL on third down 28th in the NFL in terms of total first downs 25th in the NFL in terms of sacks taken per pass play 25th in the NFL in interception percentage and an average of 4.17 penalties per game offensively which is one of the highest totals uh, maybe the highest total in Belichick's tenure so offense has been a problem for the better part of the season no doubt about it you know for me I, I look at it and I think has Mac Jones actually regressed in year two? Very fair question, and it's hard to say that he hasn't. I think the, the greater question to me is, what are the factors around him that have contributed to that? And you go back to last year, the arrow was pointing up. He had Josh McDaniels as his offensive coordinator, and the two of them were tied at the hip. Every time you'd look at the sideline, you'd see Mac sitting there after a drive and McDaniels would be really you know left shoulder to right shoulder the two of them it was almost like they shared um you know a brain if you will and with Josh leaving it really set the wheels in motion um you know for significant change with coaching staff with the offensive system and Mac has just never uh seemed to be as comfortable at, at really at any point this year than uh, compared to what we saw last year talking to Mike Reese ESPN New England Patriots who 
reporter, Mike, the, the dynamic with Matt Patricia back in New England, but in a, a different role, what, um, what in your mind is, is, is kind of what led to that? What was the thinking behind that? Because it is pretty unorthodox. Yeah, very much so. Um, so Matt Patricia, you know, I think everyone knows primary background is on defense, defensive coordinator, obviously was head coach of the Lions. And when Josh McDaniels leaves to become Raiders, head coach, Bill Belichick has a decision to make. Like, how, what am I going to do here offensively um, in terms of replacing him? He felt like he didn't really have a traditional in-house candidate to sort of elevate up to that role. And he says to himself, well, you know, I got Matt Patricia here, you know, who I have a, a deep background with. I really respect him as a coach. I got Joe Judge back, the former Giants uh, head coach, who was more of a special teams coach when he was here in New England. I have these two guys in my, you know, under my roof here in, in Foxborough, Massachusetts, and, and I'm talking like Bill Belichick now, and my <laughs> philosophy is that it doesn't matter what position you coach. If I think you're a good coach, I can put you anywhere, and we can make this work. And really, that's what this season's been about. It's been putting that philosophy on trial. It's exactly how I worded it back in training camp when everyone's saying, what is Bill doing? Like, if any other coach would do this, would would almost say like have they lost their marbles? Like what what is what is what is he thinking? But because it's Bill Belichick, he has this great track record. You say to yourself, well, maybe he's on to something here. And to this point, it it hasn't worked out. Look, they're still alive, six and six have have a, a slim chance of the playoffs. Maybe it turns around, but right now, not doesn't seem to be headed in the right direction. No, it does, Mike. I have to ask you because Bill, of course, used to be my head coach when I was playing for the Cleveland Browns back in '92 and '93. Um, what's it like working in and around Bill? I just love that connection, Ron. And I, I totally, I would, I would love to ask you like so many questions about that experience. Um, so I get the question a lot and there's probably not enough time for me to sort of give you the detailed answer I'd love to. I, but, but here's what I would say. And, and I'm curious if you had the same experience back there. What I love about it is you're covering football at the highest level. I call it like the PhD level. You know, like this is like I've learned more about the game just from listening to him and being around his teams. And obviously this year hasn't gone the way that they've hoped it would to this point. Um, But, man, I mean, the majority of these 23 years he's been here, I mean, the high stakes games, the Super Bowl, all the things you've learned about it. It's I always say to myself, I don't know if I would love what I do as much as I do if I if I was covering team that was at the flip, you know, the opposite end of that spectrum, you know? And so that's mm-hmm. sort of how I usually answer that question. And I would say it isn't easy. He makes you work for everything. And in a way, you know, you can respect that. And in a way there's some days where you're like, man, you know, this is physically and mentally challenging and I'm just, <laughs> and I'm not even playing Ron. <laughs> you know what, Mike, I loved it, man. I love playing for him. And one of the big reasons why I loved it is because if you did your job, he would leave you alone. He, you just, you know, he didn't try to motivate you. He didn't, he couldn't motivate a gnat to fly around a fruit bowl. So, you know, for mm-hmm. me, once again, I loved it at that point in my career. I love the fact he didn't try to do that. He just left you alone if you did your job. And I always appreciated that from him. 
Talking to Mike Reese, ESPN New England Patriots reporter. Uh, Mike, we were looking at this earlier. You know, the, the Cardinals last year made such a big deal of how they were going to prepare during the bye week to come out of it. And I just, I, I, you know, I wonder here, the Cardinals coming out of a bye, but the Patriots haven't played since, you know, last Thursday and they're going to play on Monday. It's, it's a mini bye, essentially. I, conventional wisdom would say that's not the best time to face a team coached by Bill Belichick because he's had a few extra days to look at your team. Luke, I would throw that out the window, though. I mean, this year has been just totally different, you know? And and all those, like, things in the past that you would say about the Patriots, like, oh, they don't beat themselves. Like, yeah, throw it out the window. You know, they have beat themselves. Uh, they're excellent in situational football, you know, two-minute uh, offense. Yeah, I got to throw it out the window. Watching them the last couple weeks, they've actually mismanaged their timeouts in those situations. And it's not not to sound harsh. I just try to give you, like, the, the accurate reflection of what we've seen so far not that it's been all bad you know defensively they've done some good things against some quarterbacks that probably you would say aren't in the upper you know echelon of the league if you will but um i don't know i i I just i guess i sort of look at that you know long week of preparation and and i don't think it's a huge factor as we approach this matchup monday night mike is there a type of quarterback that gives the patriots defense issues Yes, um, the anyone that's last name is uh, Jackson for Lamar Jackson. Uh, anyone who is uh, call it, I guess we could call it Rogers. You know, week four with with the Packers, uh, Allen. You know, Buffalo. Um, is it more? Is it more Josh Allen running with the ball as well as throwing it? Yeah. Yeah, and I know exactly what you're saying. I was I was going to get around to the fact that the, the quarterbacks who can run, very much like Kyler, um, have given them problems. And so, you know, the, the interesting part about it is when you look at their best performances, I mean, two of them against Zach Wilson, one of them against Sam Ellinger of the Colts, and those guys aren't starting right now. Justin Fields, remember that Monday night game? Mm-hmm. October 24th, if you were all watching out there, Justin Fields ran wild on them. So definitely, Ron, like to answer that one, mm-hmm. it's the quarterbacks who can run that have given them the most problems of ESPN of course covers the Patriots when we come back the final injury report heading into tonight's Monday night matchup with New England it's Wolf and Luke Arizona sports the local sports leader